What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and we are back at it with these 2022 Colorado high school football season previews. Uh, so basically, here's what we do with each team. First off, we're going to cover each 11-man Colorado high school football team in the state, no matter what level, 1 through 5 a slash maybe 6a and all that and so we're going to talk about each team's um year and slash season last year key players from last year as in graduating seniors they're losing key players to look out for this year and then we're going to go ahead and predict some records slash give a window of wins i know some of y'all might have questions about window of wins from uh last week's episode but basically i mean it's real simple it's how many wins uh and as like the range of how many wins we see each team winning so some teams will be like ah, they could drop some of these games some of these games might flip so we'll give them a window of wins of anything from eight to ten so that's how that works just in case you do not know but as you know i am in charge of most of the colorado high school football teams south of denver and i am continuing working on some of these colorado springs teams and previews and so that's where we're going to start today and actually we're going to start just outside of colorado springs over at fountain fort carson high school now let me go ahead and recap last year's season so in the regular season they went nine and one Overall in the year, they ended with a 10-2 record, had a bye in the playoffs, went on and beat Golden pretty good at home, and then unfortunately lost to Montrose in the playoffs. So altogether, a pretty good year. This was a elite defense on all levels from the trenches to the linebacking core, and then that secondary had many great players, including not one, not two, but three starting cornerbacks on our top five seniors list. So this was a very dominant squad. And then obviously they were led by potentially the number one senior linebacker in this year's class in the class of 2023 in Ty Fave. And so this was a stacked defense offensively. They did their thing as well. Tavion Tooley had a positive year. Uh, the running back, Desmond Oliver, he had a very productive year as well. They were able to run the ball. And obviously, they also have the likes of Ty Fave at running back as well. So they played a very good and clean brand of football, but unfortunately lost to a very physical and tough team in Montrose who was the one seed by the way but they lost to them 48 to 14 now I already talked about some of them but I want to make sure I get to mention all the graduating seniors that this fountain for Carson team had that were pretty important and so that includes Jaden Allen Lawrence Walker and Curtis Jackson those are the three cornerbacks who really turned up for them they were starters they were probably INT leaders all that great stuff they did their thing there uh, Taylor Glackman was on the line. That's another senior they're losing. Desmond Oliver, the running back who, you know, had to step into the shoes of Q Jones and did a pretty good job with nearly 1,600 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns on the year. So that's kind of a big loss. They're also losing Isaac Wright and Eric Tapasa, who are on the line as well. And then on the defensive side of the ball uh, at linebacker they're losing Javion Fulmore who was a big part of this linebacking core and defense in general 
Odds together on defense, they're losing six of their top 11 tackle leaders. And so quite a bit from the defense. You have some players that are also missing from the trenches and, you know, some skill players here as well in Desmond Oliver. So definitely losing a solid amount for this Fountain Fort Carson team. But still, returning-wise, they're returning plenty of talent including their three, newly, I believe, three-star lineman and Lincoln File Pally. Hopefully, I am saying that right here. But um, actually got to see him at the Prep Red Zone uh, Combine event that they had earlier this year. And bro's big, listed at 6'5", 290 pounds. He was obviously a key part of this Fountain for Carson offensive and probably defensive line and will continue to bring them toughness. He is a very good football player, a very valuable piece to be returning uh, this year. So there you go. In addition, uh, they will be returning Josiah J. Stevens Silva. He's an extremely versatile athlete playing both linebacker and tight end. But, you know, he is probably going to be somebody that makes our top five senior tight end list. He will be a candidate for sure. And he'll be an absolute weapon on this offense. At his size and at his athleticism, he is a mismatch for most defenses. They're going to have to focus on him or at least put some effort to focusing on him when they defend this fountain for Carson team also he led the team in receiving last year so there you go um and a guy that has been given a couple d1 offers so he is a d1 level player and then you also have their quarterback who has been starting for a couple years in tavion Tooley last year was the first time he threw for more touchdowns than picks since his freshman year where he threw one touchdown more than a pick um but he did miss a couple games last year though other than that, he was not really hurting this offense, you know. He had a very positive ratio. I believe he was somewhere between 12 touchdowns to 4 picks. Kind of take that couple thousand yards in there as well, or at least 8,000 yards thrown in there as well. This year, look straight up, is the last chance he has to show that he is a legitimate next-level quarterback right now, as in not somebody that needs to develop over a 2- or 3-year span. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, look, Fountain for Carson the last two years lucked out having two very good running backs, you know, that were able to pretty much hold it down on offense. And Tavion really didn't have to do, you know, too much more because he knew he could rely on the run game. This year, you know, I'm sure they're going to find a running back to go ahead and hop into that role that Desmond Oliver played, that Q Jones played the year before. But Tavion Tooley, he's a freshman, right? Or sorry, he's a senior right now. You know, he has seniority. He's a captain as well. If he takes a step forward, and I mean a significant step forward, and can be what this offense centers around, this Fountain Fort Carson team could take a very big step forward and be extremely dangerous, possibly even a contender, a team that could make state for sure. But we'll just have to see about that. Now, last but not least, he's definitely probably their best player on this Fountain Fort Carson team. And one of their uh, leaders has been a leader in Ty Fave. Led the team in tackles with 126. 
He's also a D1 prospect. Uh, well, not anymore as he has committed to Washington State. Congrats to him. And he's easily one of the best linebackers in Colorado. Has been for a couple, year, a couple years now, hands down. You know, this is his defense. And he is the unquestionable leader of this defense. And, you know, of this team as well. Great dude. You know, extremely smart football player. You know, going into this year, he's going to put up numbers. He's going to bring this team as far as he possibly can. That is absolutely for sure. But, you know, altogether, this Phantom Ford Carson team has a lot of talent. A lot of guys that I'm looking at, and I'm like, all right, you know, they're, they're difference makers. And, you know, they're going to be able to keep that success going for Phantom Ford Carson. Now, the predicted record that I have for them right now is 7-3. and three. Let me go ahead and go down the schedule here. So they play Falcon to start the year. I think that's a game they should win. They have more experience. They have more talented players. Easy dub. Same with Highlands Ranch. So that's an easy 2-0 start. Now, Pueblo West is going to be a challenge. And honestly, I'm going to put some faith in their young quarterback, Gavin Lockett, that they have out there who has a lot of natural talent. Add on a receiving core that is also getting a beast in Titus White and already had great receivers. You know, this is definitely an offense that could take advantage of a Fountain for Carson team that will almost be rebuilding their entire secondary. I'm going to throw this out there as well. I know Miles McClarity, uh, he was a big part of this team at safety last year. We'll see if he plays this year, but not having him is going to be a big blow to this team. And so, in my opinion, I think Pueblo West has the talent, and if their offense is clicking, I think they beat Fountain for Carson, and so that's what I'm going to predict that as as in as a loss probably a close one to ffc but after that they play pomona who i'm going to go ahead and favor fans for carson against as well as doherty i think that's another uh pretty much i wouldn't say an easy dub but uh you know they, they should win that game um pine creek i think pine creek is a little bit more complete at a couple couple different spots especially offensively i think if they got into an offensive shootout i kind of trust pine creek to win that one um but it's probably still gonna be a tough game you know i just like i said you know they got two very talented quarterbacks who could definitely light up a secondary that you know if they're not ready by then they're gonna be in trouble and honestly as well tavion Tooley needs to be the guy if fountain fort carson uh wants to be favored in this game and so maybe you know he's going crazy up until this point and i would probably be more willing to bet on ffc but for now I'll give pine creek the slight edge uh just be on the safe side call that probably a loss after that they should beat legend too young of a team same with douglas county chaparral they had some talent last year still have talent this year but i think fountain fort carson should beat them the last game of the season is against Reaches Jesuit. I just think they're a very talented team and deep team despite losing some players. And, you know, despite that, I've also seen some of their backups and young players play. And so I know they have that next person up, next player up mentality. And I think that's just a game where Regis just might be a little bit more, not a whole lot more, but a little bit more full at a couple more positions. So we'll see about that. So worst case scenario, really, I see them going seven and three. I think their window of wins, the window of wins for Fountain for Carson is anywhere from seven to 10 wins on the season. This is an extremely talented squad. They absolutely are making the playoffs. I would be very surprised if they don't 
make the playoffs, but they have too much talent and too much experience to not make it, despite losing, you know, basically a good chunk of their secondary, um, their lead running back from last year, who really produced at 1,600 yards, just about 25 touchdowns, plus a couple other guys on this line as well. But, you know, I'm looking at guys like Ty Fave, uh, Steven Silva, Lincoln, Tavion. I think they could really step up for this Fountain Fort Carson team. And, you know, the rest of the pieces will fall in um, around those guys, around the leaders, around some of these stars that are a little bit more established and all that. So we'll see what happens for Fountain Fort Carson. But like I said, I believe they're for sure a playoff team. They should win anywhere between 7 to 10 games this 2022 season. All right, but let's move on. Let's talk about another team in Mesa Ridge. Now, last year, they went 5-6, five and six, technically 5-5 five and five in the regular season, but just barely lost in the first round of the playoffs to Denver South that does have a lot of offensive talent and just playing talent out there. Um, but out of their six losses from last season, including this playoff game, five of them were one-score games. That was against Denver South, Fruita Monument, Fountain Fort Carson, Pueblo East, and Palmer Ridge. All pretty good teams, especially, you know, some of those teams in Palmer Ridge, FFC, and Fruita Monument. Those were teams that were very high seeds in the playoffs last year. And so it was just a matter of it being one scores and, you know, just it being unfortunate timing for them. And so I feel like their record doesn't reflect how good and talented this team really was. Speaking of talent, they are graduating a lot of it, though including Noah Ramirez, who's their starting quarterback. I uh, don't have accurate stats because I'm pretty sure it's not right here, but he was a very good quarterback for them, uh, more than a serviceable quarterback, and he's definitely going to be missed. Was a multi-year varsity starter as well. They're also losing their lead rusher, Nico Allgood. Here's their lead rusher with 852 rushing yards, eight touchdowns on 135 carries, also had 315 receiving yards and two touchdowns on 27 receptions. An extremely productive back for this offense. Uh, but on top of that, they're losing their lead receiver in Desmond Burden. He led with 46 receptions, 787 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns on defense. Uh, he was a big impact player as well. He had 23 tackles and was second in interceptions on the team with four. Now, Cash Cheeks, I believe he was first on the team in interceptions and that was the uh, another that's another guy that Mesa Ridge is missing here also I believe he was our number four best safety in the state of Colorado a big 6'5 6 6 200 pound safety out there and so they're obviously going to miss him and the size he brought to this defense because he had five interceptions also had 92 tackles which was really good but on offense he was a big contributor was actually the second leading receiver with 31 receptions 659 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns and then last but not least we have elijah davis he did make our honorable mentions as a linebacker he was the second leading tackler at linebacker on this team with 101 had 11 tackles for losses also a second on this team in sacks with six altogether this team is losing six of their top 11 tacklers uh from last year and so you know, they're missing quite a bit. They're missing their core on offense, you know, who are extremely productive. And they're missing some key players on defense uh, for sure here. Now, 
Speaking of key players, let's talk about the ones that they're going to have going to this year that have to step up. Uh, number one for me, Isaiah Jones. I think as a sophomore last year, well, not I think, I know as a sophomore last year, he was extremely productive. He put in work as the backup running back on only 36 carries. He ran for 283 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Also had notable performances against Canyon City, where he ran for 64 yards and two touchdowns on only 12 carries. Against Rampart, he ran for 102 uh, yards and a touchdown on only 10 carries. On top of that, he was also one of their top tacklers with 74 and was their sack leader with 7. Altogether, I got to see his film. He's an absolute stud. He is an exceptional athlete that gets it done on both sides of the ball. And honestly, last year was good. But this year, he should have a breakout year as a junior. Will absolutely be one of the stars for this Mesa Ridge team, so look out for him. Uh, a couple other players to look out for, Carver Cheeks, brother of Cash Cheeks here. As a junior, he was a very productive on the defensive side of the ball, racking up 61 tackles, including a 16-tackle, one-interception performance against Fountain Fort Carson. Going into his senior year, it will be interesting to see how much he gets better because he really stepped up in big games last year against Palmer Ridge and Fountain Fort Carson. Now that there are a couple of spots open, a couple more opportunities to make plays, I absolutely think he might be somebody that could step up and get it done. Uh, just looking at the performances he had against some very good schools last year. The last but not least, we have Antonio Thomas here. At linebacker, kid's an absolute beast. As a junior last year, led the team in tackles with 114, and at six foot, 225 pounds, he is a legitimate tackle machine and will be a key returning player for this defense and definitely somebody we'll have to consider for our top five seniors list um, going into 2023. He will be a 2023 guy. So there you go. Uh, even though Mesa Ridge is losing a couple players, uh, they got some, you know, they got some studs out here. Guys that made a name for themselves despite being backups or, you know, guys uh, that were underclassmen last year. Now, here's my predicted record for them. And, uh, well, window of wins. I'll give the window of wins later. But my predicted record for Mesa Ridge High School as of right now is 5-4. and four. Now, let me go ahead and go through their schedule here. So, to start the season, they play Kennedy a 318, but they have talent there with Isaac Cisneros and Ron Gallegos out there. They're going to be very explosive offensively. Defensively, they definitely have some holes there. I think Mesa Ridge could take advantage of that. On top of that, I think they're a little bit more complete with some defensive players. Plus, I like the coaching staff out there. I think Mesa Ridge beats Kennedy. But then these next two games are extremely difficult against Palmer Ridge, who they almost beat last year. But, you know, I kind of feel like Palmer Ridge is definitely returning more players um, than more key players than Mesa Ridge is this year. And so I'm going to go ahead and favor Palmer Ridge in that one. Uh, Palmer Ridge is actually a team we'll talk about later in this episode. So stick around if you want to hear that. After that. Right after Palmer Ridge, they played Dakota Ridge. That's extremely difficult as well. Dakota Ridge going into this year will be strong. They got a very talented team there, along with a newcomer quarterback, uh, well, for this team and Blake Palladino. I think Dakota Ridge will be Mesa Ridge. So there you go. At this point, they're one and two, but two of the teams they played are extremely good, absolutely contenders. They played Doherty next. 
Uh, look, this Doherty team, I think, is going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be sleepers for sure. And this might be close. This game might flip. But I'm going to go ahead and favor Mesa Ridge against Doherty. But that will be an interesting one, September 16th, to keep an eye out for. So there you go. After that, they play Widefield, who I think they should beat. Then they play Pueblo West. I talked about Pueblo West in the last segment when talking about uh, Fountain for Carson. Pueblo West should beat Mesa Ridge. I'd be surprised if they don't. So there you go. Then they play Rampart, who I feel like Mesa Ridge should beat. Uh, check out episode 176. I previewed Rampart's team there, so if you really want to check them out, go for it. But I think Mesa Ridge, you know, even though they are losing some players like Rampart, ultimately they're just more talented. And in my opinion, they're way better coached. So there you go. Then they play Montrose. I'm going to go ahead and probably call that one a loss. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a loss. You know, I think Montrose, they are losing some players, but with the scheme and system they run, they could pretty much plug in anybody. And as long as they're a good, af- a good enough athlete, they should get it done. And so I think that one might be close, but I'm still going to favor Montrose there. Another play Falcon at the very end of the season, and I believe they beat Falcon. So there you go. Now a couple things to note. I have no idea who their starting quarterback will be. And even if I did, I do not know if he'll be as good as Noah Ramirez, who, you know, showed a lot this last year. He he was very productive. And honestly, I just have a very hard time believing they're going to have a quarterback who is going to be as productive as Noah Ramirez last year. And so they're for sure going to take a step, knowing that they're also losing their top two receivers. And so there's going to be some gelling needed. They're going to have to rely on Isaiah Jones for a minute here. Um, Maybe not all season, uh, but they're going to have to rely on him at least to start out most likely. So there you go. Um, Plus Ramirez, he was a key to this offense last year that kind of through quite a bit and so like i said production like that it's hard to mirror um so yeah uh last year had a very solid run game as well so that definitely contributed to how good this team was on offense and so going into this year you know i think they have some very good players returning on defense but offensively you know they they're gonna need some players to step up and it might take some time for that to happen and so that's why i'm predicting some of these as losses so there you go we'll see uh, who steps up alongside this core that they have this year for now they only have nine games scheduled but they picked up a 10th game most likely they'll probably win that one and so altogether, this is a very talented team um have a lot of talent i just want to see you know who steps up in the place of some of the guys they are losing and in my honest opinion they have a very good coaching staff i love their coaching staff i love what they do over at mesa ridge i think this is a team that is good enough to finish close to 500 and depending on how things shake out they may sneak into the playoffs because of their strength of schedule if they go 500 now if they're below it i think that's going to be a hard uh i don't know that might be a hard deal to break there a hard deal to make there and so we're just gonna see what happens but this mesa ridge team they're gonna be young going into this season on top of that they do have some very tough teams that they're gonna play so we're gonna see what happens but ultimately i think mesa ridge has a window of wins anywhere between four to six they got studs out there i'm looking at guys like isaiah jones who is a 
fantastic two-way player should have a breakout year and will put the state on notice and then you also got guys in carver cheeks and antonio thomas you know who as a junior showed up at six foot 225 and he's a legitimate beast and so they got dudes over at mesa ridge and they got a good coaching staff but they are playing some tough comp here and so we'll see how good they really are when they play the likes of palmer ridge dakota ridge pueblo west all those teams but for now i think realistically a window of wins between four, four and six is just fine. They should finish close to 500. Now, whether they're over it or under it, we'll see. All right, but talking about the next team here, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Discovery Canyon Campus, Discovery Canyon High School, DCC here in the Springs. Last year, they went five and five, five and four in the regular season. They picked up dubs against Lewis Palmer, who they beat 41-20. Pueblo South near the beginning of the season, who they beat 21-13. Sand Creek 52-8, beat Harrison 21-14, and then also beat Sierra 56-8. Now some of the losses they had on the season, Meade 50-7, Pine Creek 44-7, they're losing by the way, Fort Morgan 35-21, who would, by the way, go ahead and go win state, so not even the worst performance against, you know, the team that won state. Then against Durango, they lost 42-0. And then in the playoffs in the first round, they lost to Lutheran, who beat them 49-7. So, you know, Discovery Canyon, they beat, uh, you know, some all right teams, but lost to very good teams. Uh, Almost all the teams that made the playoffs, except for Pueblo South here. Uh, And so, you know, that's probably a good sign of how their season went. They're good enough to you know beat teams that were not playoff teams or maybe were on the edge but not quite good enough to be contenders now let me go ahead and talk about some graduating seniors here drew keegan he was their second leading rusher with 294 yards and three touchdowns also was their lead tackler with 71 so he'll be dearly missed on the defensive side of the ball uh justin pruitt Arguably their best athlete over there led the team in receptions with 16, um, 302 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Also was one of their lead tacklers with 26. They're also losing Brian Rose, who is their second lead receiver with 141 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Um, was one of their lead tacklers with 31 and also co-led in interceptions with three Altogether on the defensive side of the ball, they're losing seven of their top 11 tacklers. They're also losing a lot of the size and linemen they had from last year. I think going into this year, they'll definitely struggle in the trenches as they are losing a pretty good chunk of their line on offense and defense. Um, Definitely enough to be concerning. Now, key players to look out for, and I feel like these key players could really help just discovery canyon take a step forward here um you know make the playoffs maybe make it past the first round here but i'm talking about trevin alicio he will be a senior he plays quarterback for them last year threw for 627 passing yards through six touchdowns to four picks but also ran for 191 yards and six touchdowns look I hope they give him more pass attempts because last year he was kind of limited. Only had 105 last year and only had over 10 pass attempts about five of the 10 games they played this season. And altogether, he did not have more than 20 attempts all season. But he's a duel with that quarterback. You know, he could potentially have a huge senior year. I'd love to see them truly 
unleash him. If he goes for anywhere between 20 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns uh, and up or something like that in the regular season, then I truly believe this team could be dangerous. I am concerned about the consistency in his throw game because they haven't given him many attempts and it probably there's probably a reason behind it. But we'll see. I think he's somebody who has a lot of skill, who has a lot of physical talent. And so if he takes a big step forward, I would not be surprised at all. He could be another sleeper at quarterback. So we'll just see about Trevin here. Now, another guy who's absolutely going to be a big part of this defense is right next to him, Ethan Emmons. He is the running back, was also the lead rusher last year with 533 yards and five touchdowns as a junior. Uh, had big games against Lewis Palmer and the state champs in Fort Morgan, where he ran for 152 yards and two touchdowns on 24 carries against the state champions in Fort Morgan, which is pretty good. Now, going into this year, he should be a big part of this offense. will also be one of the returning defenders on defense. And honestly, just looking at his film, he was popping off with some big runs against talented defenses. His acceleration is, is absolutely insane. You know, he could go from 0 to 100 real quick. And is honestly a home run hitter for this team. He could definitely break off some long ones and be a very good back for the squad. So definitely look out for Ethan Emmons here. He could be electrifying for this DCC team. So we'll see. Now, the last guy I want to talk about here is Sam Janes. He was the second leading tackler on this team last year with 68. He also co-led with three interceptions. Um, and as a returning safety, he should take on a bigger role, uh, you know, as a leader and production-wise as well, especially with so many seniors leaving. I mean, they're only returning four of their top 11 tacklers. That's a lot of defenders to be graduating here. And so, you know, they'll take all the experience production they could get. Now, here's my thing. I'm going to go ahead and predict the record here and then talk about window of wins later. But I'm going to predict the record at 7-2. and two. Just looking at their uh, schedule right now, they should beat Lewis Palmer. I think that's kind of a mismatch against Pueblo South. They are losing some guys. That might actually be a very close game. It was before all the seniors on both sides left. And I think it will be another one, but I'm going to go ahead and favor DCC in that one. Then they play Lutheran. Now, Lutheran, they are losing some key players like Arya Jacobs, Dorian Pacheco, and obviously their quarterback, Clayton Jacobs, to graduation. But this is still a talented Lutheran team who does have a lot of size up front. And, you know, I said it earlier, DCC and this line, they might struggle this year. They struggled a little bit last year, and they're losing that size. And so we'll see how this year goes. But I think Lutheran might be able to dominate those trenches. And that's why they're giving them, uh, well, that's why I'm giving them the dub, or at least the favor to beat DCC. After they play Lutheran, they play Evergreen. Evergreen's another top team uh, with, you know, a very good quarterback and some defensive players. I think they're returning a running back as well. I'm going to go ahead and favor Evergreen in that one as they do have a little bit more experience. And, you know, the experience they had, I mean, they're extremely productive last year's juniors. So we'll see about that. But I'm going to go ahead and favor Evergreen in that game. After that, they play Pueblo Centennial, Mitchell, Pueblo County, Canyon City, and Pueblo East to end the season. Currently, right now, they have Canyon City scheduled twice. 
which is interesting, but that definitely has to be a glitch. Regardless, I think they should beat all of them pretty easily. I really don't think they should struggle. Maybe Pueblo East is a little bit of a threat over there. I believe uh, Zayden Stevens, their freshman QB is there, and so we'll see how he goes, but also kind of worried about the coaching staff over there. But regardless, I think DCC should really realistically only lose two of the scheduled nine games they have as of right now. I think all the teams they're going to be playing, um, skill player-wise, they are better than. Now, offensive line-wise, there are going to be some where they're going to be challenged. Canyon City comes up, Pueblo, the Pueblo teams, you know, they'll, they might have some size as well. But I think DCC is skilled enough to overcome that. So, we will see. You know, I'm definitely looking at the skill players, especially their stars in Alessio and Emmons, to really take off and help DCC at least make the playoffs. Now, like I said, where I'm most unsure is their line. I think the offensive and defensive line of Discovery Canyon will mean the difference between winning a couple more games and losing a couple more games. This DCC team will be very polarizing, and so I'm giving them a window of wins anywhere between four to seven. I don't think they're just going to win two games, and I definitely don't think they're going to go undefeated. I think 4-7 to seven is kind of the right range here. A lot of it just hinges on how good their backfield is going to be. They have talent in the backfield. Now let's see how far they could take them going to this year, despite losing some of that talent up front as well. But right now, I have Discovery Canyon going to have Discovery Canyon going seven and two with a window of wins of four to seven dubs. All right, but let's go ahead and talk about Harrison High School here and their season last year. They won three and seven, kind of a tougher year, which I mean, you know, it was expected. It was definitely a possibility. Did find success near the end of the season in their last four games. They won three and one. That included a 41-0 dub against Sierra, a 45-8 dub against Sand Creek and a 58-16 win against Mitchell. Now, the game they lost in uh, that four-game stretch was to DCC, who they only lost 21-14 uh, to. Other than that, they had a pretty tough go against everyone else, uh, except for Pueblo County, who I guess they only lost to 21-7, but and DCC, by the way. But other than that, they were blasted by over four scores in the rest of their game. So like I said, kind of a tough season for them. And on top of that, you know, they are losing some pretty talented players, including Kahar Briggs. Only played eight games last year, but still went off for 707 rushing yards, six touchdowns on only 74 carries. Was also Harrison's lead rusher in that backfield. And was a top receiver with 10 receptions for 139 yards and a touchdown. On top of that, he contributed defensively uh, as a top tackler with 33 tackles and an interception. Now, the next two guys I want to talk about here uh, that won't be at Harrison next year is Jesse Weber and Antonio Cami Valdez, both guys on the line. Now, Weber here, he was one of their bigger defensive linemen, actually, and led this team in tackles, 74 and 7 tackles for losses, also a second in sacks of three, and he played on the offensive line as well and was a force, so he will definitely be missed up front. And then Antonio Cami Valdez, he was third 
He was the third leading tackler on the squad with 39 and was the sack leader with four. Altogether, Harrison is losing five of their top 11 tacklers from last year, still returning a solid amount though. Now, going into this year, you know, you have a lot of players that, you know, got playing time last year, uh, got significant varsity playing time. And so going into this year, the hope is that they take a step forward. Now, the guy that I'm really looking at to be one of the stars for this Harrison squad is TJ Washington, arguably their best athlete, um, plays both sides of the ball. As a running back, he was the second leading rusher with 582 rushing yards and six touchdowns. Remember, he was splitting carries with Kahar Briggs and another running back that I'll be talking about here as well. And then on defense was the second leading tackler with 41. Now, he will absolutely be one of the leaders of this Harrison squad. Just looking at the, his film, he's a bruiser at running back. Even when you think you got him. Sometimes you don't because he'll slip a tackle or he'll run you over or just break a couple of tackles on his way to the house. And he's just an excellent athlete out there. Um, I, I know he plays both ways, but definitely somebody to keep an eye out uh, over at running back. I believe he will also just be a junior going into next year so you know he's really just getting started but tj washington's definitely a name to look out for had a very solid very good sophomore year now another guy to look out for and this time he's up front is elijah jenks he was a big body for them on both sides of the ball playing dt and center at six foot 325 pounds he will be returning as a senior and honestly this team they are losing a couple of linemen they need all the experience and guys that could get up front and so last year he did a pretty solid job i mean you know he definitely um was a force on that line and so he should be able to contribute quite a bit to this harrison squad on both sides of the ball now the last two guys I talk about, I'm gonna talk about here, are both skill players. One of them is Isaiah Avieta. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. But he was their lead receiver last year. Going into this year, he should be their lead receiver again to help out this offense. Like I said, super productive and a pretty much a full year of varsity experience under his belt. So he's experienced as well. So that's definitely huge. And then they're also returning. Carlos Preciado, um, he was a sophomore last year with TJ Washington. Going into this year, he's only a junior, but last year he contributed a solid 442 yards and four touchdowns in a running back by committee group as the third leading rusher. And I'm really looking at him and Washington to head this solid running back duo going into this 2022 season. I think both of those guys are super tough. And, I mean, they're going to be able to produce quite a bit for this offense, those two guys alone. On top of that, I do want to shout out their quarterback, Watt. He... He's an interesting player. Last year was his first year as a starter. Going into this year, I'm really interested in seeing how far uh, he developed and how far he could take this team as they do have some pieces on this squad. But let me go ahead and predict the record for Harrison High School here. Now, the thing is, they only have six games scheduled as of right now. And so I'm going to go ahead and predict these six games, and then I'll give the window of wins after that. But straight up, I definitely feel like they could beat Widefield, which is their first game of the season, 
After that, they played TCA. Last year, TCA was super stacked, and they beat him pretty bad. This year, I think it might be a lot closer, but... You know, the thing I really saw Harrison struggle with was just having fast enough tackles to go out there and seal those edge rushers out. And TCA has some very fast edge rushers. And so really, at the end of the day, it, it might come down to Preciado and Washington here having to break a couple of tackles in the backfield. And so we'll see if they can do it. Um, but after that, they play Mitchell. I mean, they should beat them. I'd be surprised if they did it. So there you go there. Then they play Canyon City. That might be another closer game here. But I'm going to still favor Canyon City in this one. Just slightly. Definitely a winnable game though. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's completely out of the picture for them to not win it. Now they play Pueblo South. Pueblo South will be a very interesting team. I will be talking about them next week on next week's episode. They are losing a key athlete in Jace Bella, who was their starting corner or starting DB and starting quarterback. <sighs> going into this year, they are returning a couple of players. And so I'm going to give them the slight edge here as well. Uh, Pueblo South, that is, because I think Harrison, I mean, they have some guys up front, but definitely a little bit concerned about the surrounding cast behind the core that I just talked about here with this Harrison squad. Pueblo South, I mean, they're a very good program. They're returning multiple starters from last year that had very good years, and so that'll be a tough game to win with or without Jay Spella, but we'll see about that. And then the last game they have scheduled, at least as of right now, June 30th, is Sierra. That should be a pretty easy dub. So altogether, um, based on the six games they have scheduled, they're going three and three, at least. Um, I think that is extremely fair. Now, every team has to schedule at least eight games, I believe. I think that's the minimum. And so I'm just going to be honest, if they do schedule at least eight games, chances are, you know, they'll probably split those games. In my opinion, this is still a very young team and they're going to continue to grow. Now, the defense for Harrison should be returning a solid amount of players, uh, experienced players at that. And so, you know, I'm kind of I'm, I'm looking at this defense and I'm trying to see who's going to step up here and really turn up for them and take that developmental step that this team really needs and on top of that they have two very good running backs who I think could be extremely productive for them but you know I am concerned about them being potentially one-dimensional and so I really want to see what this quarterback does going into this season I think a lot of the success that Harrison may or may not experience will depend on the quarterback position as they do probably want to throw the ball to even things out so we'll see all together i'm going to go ahead and give them a window of wins and this is a pretty big window of wins for harrison but i'm going to give harrison a window of wins of anywhere between four to six games i was going to say three to six games but i'm gonna go with four to six games i think just looking at the games they have scheduled right now they should definitely win at least three they're probably going to add on more and so uh, on top of that i think they'll at least win half of their games um i'd be a little surprised if they don't win half of their games but if they're a game or two under 500 i understand that's okay but this is a team that has talent 
Like I said, I really like the running back, especially Washington out there. I think he's a very, very good back out there, just a bruiser, and I love the way he plays. I also like Elijah Jenks and some of these other guys as well. But at the end of the day, it is a team sport. I want to see what these other guys around them do because they had playing time last year. You know, they played plenty of players last year. They've had plenty of time to figure this thing out. And so somebody has to step up eventually. Uh, altogether, I think this Harrison team may just finish outside the playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised if they if they got in there, you know. Um, and this is just going off of all the established players that I've seen up until now and whatnot. If a couple players break out, then who knows. But... As of right now, I have Harrison going at least 500. At the very least, maybe they're a game or two under it. So there you go. All right, but let's keep it pushing and let's talk about a team that Harrison will be facing in Mitchell. I'm not even gonna lie. This is gonna be a pretty short recap slash season preview for Mitchell here. Last year, they went 0-8 and I'm gonna just keep it 100. Mitchell may be the worst football team, 11-man football team, in Colorado. The closest game was against Sierra, who they lost to 26-7. Other than that, Mitchell did not score over 20 points at any point this season while allowing 39 points per game. Now, I would talk about the graduating seniors they are losing, but there's literally no stats given on max preps, so, and I'm not going to... I don't know like they have a new head coach as well and so I don't even know you know where to begin when talking about last year's stats or even if they kept it and honestly I have no idea who their best players even were because looking at the roster they only have 12 players listed and their only senior was their kicker or punter who must have been productive because of how tough this season was for Mitchell. And on top of that, I can't talk about key players either because they're not listed on max preps as of right now. There are only eight players listed on the roster as of June 26th. And so we'll see if they'll have enough to field a team. And I'm just going to be honest, you know, predicted record, <sighs> window of wins, I guess. I have Mitchell straight up going zero and nine. And I do not think they will win a single game this season. I'm going to be honest, this program has been holding on for dear life for a while now. As well as the school, to be fairly honest. There's some things going on with the school. We'll see if they stay open. But they are on their fourth head coach in the last four years. They have not won a game since 2019, which is almost three years ago. And before that, Mitchell has not had a winning season since 2004. To put in perspective, I was in kindergarten then, and now I am in my 20s. So there you go. Now, like I said, they have a new coach. Uh, I believe he was there before. We'll see if he could turn around this program and just bring stability. If this program could be stable and be able to post stats, rosters, all that stuff, I think that's a win for Mitchell. But other than that, I don't think Mitchell is going to win. So there you go. Take what you could get here. Anyways... Let's let's move on and let's talk about Sand Creek. I believe they will be playing Mitchell this next year, but let's talk about last year first. Last year, one five and five. They had wins against Pueblo Centennial, who they beat 34-14. Palmer, who I mean that was a very close game, surprisingly, but only beat them 12 to 6. 
beat Littleton 36-27, beat Mitchell 38-12, beat Sierra 48-14. Now their losses on the season, they lost to Cheyenne Mountain 29-16, Pueblo Central 47-12, Discovery Canyon 52-8, Harrison beat them 45-8, and Durango at the end of the season beat them 62-0. Now, I'm not even going to cap. I thought their quarterback was going to do better in Caleb Cruz, uh, and it just did not work out. You know, he just really struggled to beat decent teams, and it honestly showed where they were truly at. And it wasn't just him. It was this team in general, but he definitely had his struggles. Um, During the spring, there was a lot of potential there. Going into the fall, it was a pretty different season to be honest with you I actually predicted them to go six and four and so the only game I got wrong was the Harrison game I thought they could beat them they did not and it was not that close either so there you go but still though went five and five you know one half their games but if you want to look at the level of talent I mean it's not exactly super impressive on paper I'm just gonna put that out there but let's talk about graduating seniors they're not losing too many they're losing their starting quarterback Caleb Cruz he's a multi-year varsity starter so that matters now his stats are definitely inaccurate but I mean he was the guy last year so there you go um so yeah they're also losing Dylan Snow. Here's their starting DB for them and interception leader. And on top of that, they're losing Isaac Wagner. He was uh, one of their captains and a big-time starting lineman. And on top of Isaac, they're losing a couple big boys up front to graduation uh, that started at line. So line may be an issue for Sand Creek this year. It's not even one or two. They're missing a solid amount. So there you go. Now... Sand Creek was a relatively young team last year, and I knew that. I said that, you know, in my preview of their season, but I didn't know exactly how well they would do. But for the most part, the I mean, the same group of youngins I talked about last year, I'm going to talk about this year because they had a very good year and they took a pretty good step forward. And so I'm going to start with talking about junior tight end. And I apologize if I'm saying this wrong, but Omeo Alexander. Um... I apologize because I'm definitely saying that wrong, I feel like. But he will be returning as a senior this year and will be a big body target for whoever's at quarterback. So that should make life much easier. On top of that, he should be a big time contributor to this defense. He brings some size there uh, on the uh, or on the defensive line. Uh, Speaking of defense, though, they are also returning uh, safety Chris Hodge. He will also be a senior this year. Even though the stats were incomplete, he was the leading tackler for this team and was extremely productive. Should bring some good experience to that back end of the defense. Now, uh, let's let's go ahead and stay here talking about defense. And I want to talk about Haziah Rapp. Uh, he was an absolute beast for them. I believe he was a sophomore last year and he had a very good season. I believe he was their sack leader. And so going into this year, he's going to look to build upon uh, where he started, what he did last year. And he could definitely be a force of a pass rusher out there. Somebody that teams absolutely need to double team because he is a very good defensive end. So we'll, we'll see about that. And then last but not least, we have running back Keith Reddicks. Last year, he did his part. He contributed. But this year, I mean, probably early on, he's going to be the guy that this offense just leans on. Will be a senior and he will probably be a workhorse. He will definitely get his touches and he could put up some numbers 
for this team as well. Somebody that, you know, is going to be a steady force out there for them on offense and, you know, for a young Sand Creek team, that's really all you could hope for. So there you go. Now, let me go ahead and talk about the predicted record, and then I'll talk about their window of wins here. So as of right now, they have four games scheduled um, on the season against actual opponents, against Air Academy, Wheat Ridge, TCA, Mitchell, and Canyon City. I guess actually that's five opponents I cannot count, but they have five, five opponents scheduled out here. But they also have, I mean, I believe they're probably going to play 10 games because they have placeholders for the other five. Like, they have dates and times picked out. So, I assume they're going to eventually fill out their schedule. But I'm looking at this as of June 30th. And so, I'm just going to go ahead and predict the teams. Um, oh, I'm going to predict their schedule based on the teams they have already scheduled so far here. So, in my opinion, they should be their Academy, Wheat Ridge, and Mitchell. I think they just have a more complete team than all those teams and have a little bit more talent on multiple sides of the ball and at multiple positions. Now, TCA and Canyon City will, will most likely be losses. I think TCA for sure can beat Sand Creek. I just think they're a very deep squad out there. And we'll talk about TCA later this episode. So there you go. And then Canyon City, that might be a little bit closer, but I'm still going to give Canyon City the edge. So altogether, against the five teams that they have scheduled as of right now, June 30th, I have them going 3-2 and two against those teams. And altogether, the window of wins I have for Sand Creek is anywhere from 4-6. to six. This team was young last year, but they really do have a number of pieces going into this next next season that not only played last year, had very productive seasons last year. I think defensively, they could be formidable. They have some size out there. They have some experience. I think they could be kind of tough up front, especially on those edges defensively. So there you go there. And then offensively, you know, it's not like they don't have any players out there. They're, they're going to have their running back, Keith Reddicks, who I really do feel like could turn up for them. But I do have questions about this offensive line and, you know, the interior of this defensive line, I would say. And ultimately, I do wonder who will be at quarterback. I think that's going to matter going into this season because Caleb Cruz, even though, you know, he did struggle kind of with turnovers last year, he threw his share of touchdowns. You know, he, he produced at times for this team and you know he was definitely at least an above average starter to good starter for this squad so pretty much i think the talent here for sand creek is enough to get them to at least four wins if it's an eight game season that's about half their dubs if it's a 10 game season then i think they could at least win five of their games and go 500 but it might be a battle to get to 500. And on top of that, if they do get past 500, I don't know how many games they could win over that. Um, I really do have questions about the quarterback position and this offensive line in general. And so really, I mean, if I'm talking about quarterback and O-line, that's basically me questioning their offensive production outside of the run game, which if you don't have a line, then you really don't have too much of a run game anyways. So we'll see about Sand Creek. Like I said, they have some pieces here. You know, they have some very interesting players on the defensive side, but we'll see if that's enough to get them to the playoffs. It's definitely going to be close. 
All right, but let's keep it going and let's go ahead and talk about Sierra High School here in Colorado Springs. Last year, went one and nine. The only game they won was against Mitchell, who they beat 26 to seven. Other than that, they did not really play a close game in any of their losses, including a kind of embarrassing 40 to eight loss to a rebuilding 2A team in Lamar. And Sierra, they're a 3A team. So it's kind of tough, you know. On top of that, they are losing a couple of seniors. Uh, Alden Allen, he was their lead rusher with 57 carries, only 234 yards and one touchdown, though. Only played six games. So there you go. They're also losing Sage MacArthur. Uh, only played six games, but was their lead receiver with 28 receptions for 428 receiving yards and four touchdowns. And then they don't have any defensive stats listed at all, so I can't really say much about the defense from a statistical standpoint. And honestly, this is just another team that kind of struggles to consistently put out teams and has been hanging by a thread for the most part these last, well, probably this last decade, if you really want to go there. So... There you go. That is Sierra High School. Um, well, at least last year, that was their squad. Now, key players from last year is their young quarterback, Ryan Stankuisk, I want to say. Stankuisk? That's not it. I don't know. I apologize. But he started at quarterback as a sophomore. Threw for a solid 968 yards and 8 touchdowns. 210 picks, though. Also had 133 rushing yards. If he returns to the team, you know, that will be big for them. Having a quarterback with experience on varsity. And, you know, doing an okay job with what he was given. So, there you go. Uh, now... Let me go ahead and predict the record for Sierra here real quick. Uh, look, I don't have too many other key players to talk about because I honestly don't know who are the returning. But as of right now, I have Sierra going 2-8. and eight. This is a program that has struggled to field players and be consistent on the field for a couple years now. Uh, their best record in recent history was when they went 5-5 five and five back in 2014. Their last winning season was in 2010, over 12 years ago. And as of right now, the, they only have 16 players listed on max preps. And none of them was their quarterback from last year. So, it is definitely concerning, to say the least. Now, I do think this team is probably good enough to beat Liberty. Although, I will say, even though Liberty does struggle as a team... They do consistently put out numbers. I'm going to say that, you know, and so I think that might matter at the end of the day. And so this one kind of feels like a toss up to me right now that I'm looking at Sierra. But I'm going to go ahead and slightly favor them against Liberty. And this is a very, very slight. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Liberty beats them. Just point that out there. Now, they should for sure beat Mitchell who is probably the only other team in the state that is struggling as much as they are. But they are not Mitchell right now. They are still able to field, you know, more players than them. So there you go. Other than that, this season, I have no idea what they're going to be returning um, roster-wise, offensively, defensively, or putting out. And that is definitely concerning as well. And so my window of wins... For Sierra High School is one to two. I don't think they win over two games. I think they win at least one, and that'll for sure be the Mitchell one. 
They might have a competitive game against a Liberty, but like I said, you know, Liberty has numbers, so we'll see how that goes. But I just think right now, Sierra, they have a lot of unknowns. You know, I don't know anybody that is going to be returning to this team that contributed to them significantly last year on varsity. Because, I mean, they don't put out anything really too much about it. And there wasn't really too many players that had eye-popping production. Um, or even noticeable production, to be fairly honest. So, we'll see about Sierra. But, they'll at least win a game this season. That's the most I could predict as of right now. Alright, now let's move on. Let's talk about a team that had a little bit more success this last season. And I'm talking about TCA, my alma mater here. Last year went 9-1, 8-0 in the regular season. Won a playoff game, lost a playoff game. The game they lost was at home against Severance in the second round. Kind of a big upset. They lost 37-21. This game wasn't super close. And it was a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie because this was the same TCA team that went to state in the spring season before so kind of a tough go here but you know this was a squad that had many great players this, this was arguably their most talented team uh, ever uh, and I don't think that's super crazy to say but they had great players in Cade Palmer, Matt Segovia, their quarterback Sam and that big three had a very good run at TCA for almost three years and were very productive including a state championship appearance like i said in the spring of 2021 and i believe they made the playoffs the three years they were together and you know those guys are the guys that they're gonna miss a lot their quarterback threw 4,000 uh, passing yards 14 touchdowns to three picks also ran for 121 yards and two rushing touchdowns so he did his thing there uh, not hurting the defense but you know or sorry not hurting the offense but contributing uh, a little bit to this offensive production. But Kate Palmer was the heart and soul of the squad for the most part on 123 carries, ran for uh, 1,541 rushing yards and 23 touchdowns. Also had six, 61 tackles on defense, so he did it both ways. Matt Segovia was another athlete that went both ways, had 19 receptions, 295 receiving yards, 6 touchdowns. Also had 248 rushing yards and 4 touchdowns, and on defense had 25 tackles and a pick. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they are losing their second sack leader in Dylan Glorioso, who had 4.5 sacks. Also, I mean, this isn't a lot, but they're losing 3 of their top 11 tacklers on this defense, including Chase Keller, who had 51 tackles and was a pretty good contributor on offense as well. So a lot of the production they're losing will be coming from the offensive side of the ball. But as I said, they're only losing three of their top 11 tacklers. They are bringing back a lot of this defense, which, you know, will be the strong suit or should be the strong suit of this TCA team moving forward now let me talk about some key players here starting with josh snyder this senior linebacker um or well incoming senior linebacker had 105 tackles 8.5 tackles for losses last year and really stepped up for the squad defensively that was losing quite a bit of production from that previous team um they had a lot of seniors on that state championship defensive squad so he really did his thing here 
and going into this next year should be the defensive leader and probably a captain uh, this season. So definitely a guy that could hold it down for this uh, TCA defense. On top of that, they also have Blake Van Tongren uh, or Tongaren. I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, but he's a big old 6'3", 205-pound defensive end. Will probably be a force for them. Uh, last year, he racked up 43 tackles, 3.5 sacks, and 10 hurries. Had a lot of hurries, but if he can convert more of those into sacks, then he will be a big-time pass rusher, as is he's already a handful uh, for any lineman to handle, especially on this 2A level. So he's for sure going to do his thing. Then offensively, we talked about the guys they are losing, but they are returning a key player, uh, somebody that I really like. Um, great game. Um, very explosive athlete in Ethan Aragundi. He was a big-time contributor to the squad on both sides of the ball. Defensively last year, backed up 70 sat or sorry, 70 tackles not 70 sacks but 70 tackles and 6.5 sacks from his linebacker spot and he's you know one of those shorter speedier linebackers that they kind of throw in there so that he can be a mismatch and that's what he is when playing opposing teams because he is so fast and he's probably more of a db but he plays linebacker so that's a smart move i'm not gonna lie but offensively he was a very good complimentary back to Cade palmer and rushed for 421 yards at eight touchdowns which is very good for a backup back so there you go but tca's line in general offensively defensively they're gonna be strong you know returning a lot of players uh, I just wanted to shout both of those units out because I think they'll be a big part of the success of this team. And then I also want to shout out Jaron Texer. He does support us. I believe he's a receiver. And so, you know, they're they're returning some guys for this team that, you know, got playing time on varsity last year. And you could never discount that. Now, let me go ahead and predict TCA's record. I think they'll go eight and one. I'm going to be real. Even with them losing this much offensive talent, their defense on paper, and I'm saying on paper for a reason, looks like potentially one of the best ones on the two-way level hands down. I'm looking at their defensive line specifically, and there's definitely a universe where, you know, each of those defensive linemen, pass rushers, whatever, rack up five plus sacks each at the end of this regular season, not, not even including postseason. Because they are that good. Offensively, I think Ethan Aragundi, um, he'll get to shine. And in my opinion, he's a very speedy, quick back. A little bit different from Cade Palmer, but that's okay. You know, you don't need carbon copies of star players to have a different type of star player to produce similar amount of production for you. I think he'll, like numbers-wise, he'll put up similar numbers as Cade. Um, but... I mean, you know, he's he's not he's not as big as K, but he's still a very good player is what I'm saying. And honestly, if I were TCA, I'd use him as much as possible his senior year because he only has one more year left. He's fresh. He's been a backup the last three years. And so, I mean, I think they're going to have to rely on him because I have no idea who their starting quarterback will be and how good he is because they're. There definitely is a quarterback battle going down there. And I don't know if it's done yet, and I don't think it's done. Regardless, expect Air Gundy to get a lot of touches early on here. And Loki, it might be an open quarterback comp throughout the season. But we'll just have to keep an eye on that. Because, you know, I think this is a squad that could definitely make playoffs. And they got to decide on a quarterback by that. So we'll see. 
but they have time. Uh, like you said, defensively, they're big up front, should dominate the trenches, and honestly, there's no excuse not to. If they're not, I don't know what to tell you, but when you're over six foot and over 200 pounds, especially on this 2A level, over 210 pounds on this 2A level, I mean, why are you not dominating the trenches? You know what I mean? Now that I'm looking at TCA's schedule here, there's really only one game that I think they're going to lose. And it's the first game of their season, their home opener, which I believe I will be able to make. We'll see. We're, we're figuring out some things, but uh, they will be playing Eden at home, the defending not only last year's state champs, but the two-time state champs. And, you know, last year we were very critical of them for not scheduling a tougher schedule. This is a tougher schedule, and I like it because they're going to get tested. And you know what? They might even get whooped. I'm not even going to lie, but this is going to be good experience for the playoffs and for the growth of their players. And so, uh, look, Eden's losing some players, but I'd still probably favor Eden there. Um, Loki like the coaching staff a little bit better, a lot better, honestly. And they got a lot of great players over there. So we'll see what happens, but definitely favoring Eden in that one, even though they're playing away. Now, they play Harrison, Alamosa, or TCA plays Harrison, Alamosa, Sand Creek, Alameda, Denver West, Englewood, Kent Denver, and Elizabeth. I think I have them favored in all those games. I think their line is bigger than the opposing lines of all those teams. Plus, they're deeper, too. It's not just, you know, four or five deep. They probably have a solid six to eight rotation over there if they really wanted to go that deep. Uh, so... There you go. Plus, I don't know if they have as good of a player uh, in Eric Gundy or as deep of a skill group as uh, as TCA does, even though they may be a little inexperienced, a little green. But other than that, you know, my window of wins for the Class Cool Academy for the TCA Titans is eight to nine. Um, I don't know if they're going to schedule 10 games. We'll just see about that. But honestly, there's no excuse for them to not make the playoffs because they should. Like I said, I think the only team on their schedule that I don't have them favored against is Eden. And they're the two-time defending state champions. That'll be a very telling game early on this season. Because honestly, the rest of these games, I like I favored TCA by a wild amount. And it's no disrespect to them. Just this TCA team is returning a lot of very good defensive players. And, you know, if they use him right, they're going to be dominant. And so there's no excuses for them not to. So they should for sure make the playoffs. Honestly, they should for sure make it out the first round. But you know how it is with TCA. We'll see if there's any future beyond that. And that is honestly up to the coaching staff at this point. You know, finding a quarterback and making sure that he produces enough for this team. But we'll see. All right, but let's go ahead and talk about Manitou Springs here next. Last year, went 2-7. and seven. Their two wins was against Salida, who they beat on a game winner, 10-6. I believe Ethan Boren caught that one. And then they beat Lamar 34-26 later on in this season. Did have close games, though, including a loss against Arai at the beginning of the season, 21-20. And then losing to Montezuma Cortez in overtime, 24-18. to 18. So some very close games for this Manitou Springs squad. Now, this was a team coming off a state championship season in the spring. 
but Manitou Springs was set to lose a number of key players from that squad and this was something that I did not know when predicting their season last year but that included them losing Caleb Allen who had a season ending injury very late in that season and so that would result in him uh, being sidelined for the entire fall season because it just wasn't enough time and so uh, Manitou Springs not having Caleb Allen just was a big blow to their morale obviously and you know to um, the success of this team because he was a very underrated quarterback in my opinion and you know some of those close games I kind of feel like he would have won them those games so you know we'll never know but Last year, they experimented with putting Tate Christian at quarterback, their senior receiver, um, and just trying to see if he would work out along with playing their young gun sophomore quarterback, Ethan Gensel, who had a pretty solid season. On top of that, they also had a new head coach from Kansas come over to coach this squad as well. So there's a lot of changes for this Manitou Springs team, and so for them to win two games and be in two close games that they just barely lost is definitely not a bad thing at all so there you go now let's talk about some graduating seniors caleb allen obviously is going to be out of there and then you have tate christian ethan born and parker saladay uh, those three guys combined for over 900 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns as the top receivers for this squad parker was also their second leading tackler with 45 and like i said tate played a little bit of quarterback so there you go uh on top of that manitou springs in general is losing six of their top 11 tacklers to graduation so definitely losing another set of players from that championship squad at this point there really aren't that many players left but they do have some key young players moving forward that I got to see a couple times and that I'm really excited for. Starting with their quarterback, Nate Gensel, uh, led the team in passing yards, even though, you know, there were some games he played more so than others and all that stuff, but still led the team in passing yards with 1,187, had a 12 touchdown to 10 pick uh, ratio in his first year of varsity play. And honestly, he was not quite ready to take Caleb Allen's spot, but he showed some potential. You know, there are definitely times where I was watching him play and he had control of a drive. It was just unfortunate, like their line not blocking long enough or a dropped pass or, you know, just better defense and better athletes on the other side. And so other than that, I mean, he, he showed a lot of potential and I'm really interested to see how well he plays going into his junior year he's going to be a strong arm quarterback and he does have some experience from last year under his belt and so i'm really looking to see you know how well he develops mentally uh, going into this season because i know he could get get it done physically for the most part now another guy that'll help him out is tyler maloney now he led the team in rushing yards with 504 and three touchdowns last year as an incoming senior, he's definitely a skill player to look out for um, on the offensive side of the ball and will produce a lot, should produce a lot. High key, high key might be the guy for this Manitou Springs team, at least offensively. So definitely somebody to help out uh, this young quarterback here in Gensel and, uh, you know, help out his development and take off some of that load. So we'll see. 
Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they do have a nice little player here in Braden Dowling. Um, I mean, this last year, or well, yeah, last year he was a sophomore. This year he will be a junior. But as a sophomore, was a big-time contributor uh, on the line for both on both sides of the ball last year. And this year should not be any different. And, you know, it's never a bad thing to be returning linemen or players in the trenches. And so definitely a key player for Main of Two Springs this year. Now, let me go ahead and predict this record for Main of Two Springs. Right now, I have them going 6-4. and four. And this was kind of a tough schedule to predict. I'm not going to lie. But I, I have them favored against Valley, Rocky Ford, Prospect Ridge Academy, Woodland Park, even though that may be able to go either way, low-key, that Woodland Park game is going to be a battle, so we'll see what happens there. And then Lamar, I have them favored against Lamar, which can also be a toss-up game, as Lamar had a season to develop a lot of their players going into this season, and, you know, they could definitely stabilize a couple position battles here, now that, you know, they played a lot of young players last year, um and going into this year they have that experience and so that'll matter but we'll see what happens right now though i'm gonna go ahead and give manitou springs a very slight edge like a 53 to 47 percent edge over lamar kind of the same thing for woodland park so yeah now the teams i for sure have favored over them is rye florence alamosa and la hunta so there you go now there will be it playing a number of teams that may be on the rise as well you know last year they're in similar situations as manitou springs just having a lot of young players playing them and whatever record they had is what they had it was a learning experience and so you know it's going to be interesting to see where all these teams land where that development lands because it's a little unpredictable at this point you know we got a taste for some of uh, you know the talent that these teams had, but you could tell they were very green for the most part still. And so going into this year, you know we'll see where these teams are really at for sure. And so honestly, I think a lot of where Manitou Springs goes really depends on their core. You know uh, how well this core plays is gonna very much determine whether they win some of these toss-up games and i don't always say that you know i say it's a team sport and all that role players still matter but you know if their quarterback is playing really well if maloney is playing well if dowling is playing well there's a good chance that they win some of these toss-up games if they are struggling a little bit i don't think they win those games so we'll, we'll just have to see about that like i said they're losing a lot um of that last state championship team so it's almost a completely new team at this point and honestly i'm just gonna say this the only way pretty well maybe not the only way but in my opinion pretty much the only way manitou springs makes the playoffs is if their quarterback gansel takes over not only improves developmentally but takes over as a quarterback and really dominates defenses out here. If he does, they're going to find themselves back in the playoffs. And if him and Maloney are struggling to get things going, like I said, could be a year where they lose a couple toss-up games and miss the playoffs. We will see. Right now, their Manitou Springs window of wins, at least in my opinion, is 4-7. to seven. I think they're going to be very close to 500. Um... 
that's like their floor. You know, I think they'll be very close to 500, like four games, five games. Best case scenario, I really think they win maybe seven games. That's like their best case scenario, winning some of those toss-up games. But they're not going to be easy uh, by any means. So we'll just have to see about Man Two Springs. I really like the coaching staff, though. I like some of the players they have to work with. And, you know, at the end of the day, you got to play ball and, you know, see how the chips fall. Now, the last team I want to talk about here has been a perennial powerhouse basically this last decade, and that is Palmer Ridge High School. Last year, went 10-2. Lost to the one seed in Montrose in the regular season, 28-21 in a close one. And then in the playoffs, lost to Erie, who eventually went to state, 28-18. In that Erie game, they did not have Anthony Costanzo. That was the only game he missed all series. And... That might have been a game changer if he was available to play, but he was, uh, I mean, he must have been hurt, obviously. And so that's how Palmer Ridge's season end. Now, they did have some close games against Mesa Ridge. Still beat him 30-27, beat Ponderosa 35-28. That was a legendary comeback, like a 21-point comeback or something like that. Uh, and then they also beat Pueblo West in the playoffs in double overtime, 28 to. 27 so they had a number of close games that they prevailed and won and overcame and won so just gonna throw that out there overall a very good season for palmer ridge did not make it to state for the first time in a couple years but you know considering what they lost last year or the year before the season before you know this this was a solid enough run now speaking of losing they are losing a number of very key players, including Anthony Costanzo. He was our number one rated senior safety in the class of 2022 here in Colorado. He'll be going to UNLV as a safety at 39 tackles, another team in picks with four. But on offense, he was also lethal. Uh, he was their lead receiver with 36 receptions, 582 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. Um, and at 6'3", 200, able to run like a, at least a 4'5", 4'6", you know, he's just definitely an athlete that they'll be missing dearly. A very special athlete they had over there. On top of that, you know, Palmer Ridge, they are known for their linemen as well. The Monument Moving Company, shout out to them. They are losing two of their members to graduation and Alec Falk and Connor Jones. Uh, both of those guys actually made our top five senior offensive tackle list last year. Connor Jones committed to Michigan. He's at Michigan. Was the ultimate blindside protector. Just had huge long arms. Very tall dude at around like 6'7", 6'8", something insane like that. Then Alec Falk was a very versatile blocker that they moved around at times. Uh, eventually, he played mostly inside, but was very dominant there. He'll be going D1 to Air Force. And so losing both of those guys will be extremely tough on this Palmer Ridge team and offense as they were key players to uh, well to this team and the Monument Moving Company as well. So there you go. Now, the guy that was running behind this line, Connor Cook, he was their lead rusher for Palmer Ridge with 942 rushing yards and 15 rushing touchdowns. Obviously benefit from having an elite O-line in front of him, but he was a tough back. You know, he was that guy that will get you a yard if you need it and get you a touchdown if you're within 10 yards. You know, he was a very physical guy that, you know, Palmer Ridge will for sure 
miss. They'll also be losing Layden Wright. Um, he was a contributor to this PR line, especially on defense. He was their second leading tackler with 71 tackles. Also had five sacks. There's losing Bradley Larson as well. Another contributor to this defensive line with 4.5 sacks. And was third on the team in tackles with 66. Gannon Arthur, another defensive lineman they're losing. He was a top tackler at 42 tackles. And was the sack leader with 5.5. Altogether, Palmer Ridge is losing 7 of their top 11 tacklers, including almost their entire defensive line, it seems. Um, and between all of them, they're also losing about 15 sacks. So, in production, I guess. Uh, so, they're losing production, obviously, between those three. And then, last but not least, Aiden Snow. Uh, he had three interceptions for them. Was part of um, this secondary for Palmer Ridge and was you know one of only two players who are by the way both seniors that had more than one interception outside of Anthony Costanzo so as you could see this Palmer Ridge team is losing a lot and look this was a very talented squad you know just a couple years ago they were making state championship games like it was nothing and so that's gonna be tough for this squad but Palmer Ridge is returning a number of key players that'll make up for well maybe not make up for all of that production but you know step up and make up for a lot of it and that starts with their center Jackson St. Aubin with some big time linemen leaving this Palmer Ridge team you know Jackson here will be one of the most important pieces of this entire team he's gonna help out a lot of these young offensive linemen also doing his job and honestly when you're gonna lose linemen it never hurts returning your center you know the quarterback of the offensive line and he honestly he's one of the best interior linemen not only in the state but in the country and so he's gonna be extremely key to the success of this team and this offense speaking of the offense Casey Fackerel and KJ Smedley are going to be two guys that I really think are going to step up at receiver and maybe do for big time senior seasons. It's never easy losing an Anthony Costanzo or an Aiden Snow, but I really feel like these two guys have low-key been buried on this depth chart for a really long time, and now this is their year. And they could be very, very productive. I'm talking anywhere between 700 plus to 800 plus receiving yards this season and a couple of touchdowns to go with that. Uh, very good athletes. And plus, they play both ways. And so, you know, they'll probably they'll be on the defensive side of the ball as well. But honestly, I feel like their contributions will probably be the most felt on offense potentially. So we'll see. Now, I want to kind of stick with the offense here and talk about the running back here and Nathaniel, a.k.a. Gator Robinson. And he's been in this running back committee pretty much every year since he was a sophomore. He's been getting snaps, at least. Now, this is his chance to take over. 
you know, and he will provide a very good run game for Palmer Ridge. You know, he's not exactly the bruiser that Connor Cook was, but he has a little bit more wiggle to him. He's a little bit more agile, quicker, and all that stuff. Has a couple moves in his bag, and so he'll definitely be due for a very productive season. I could definitely see him easily rush over a thousand yards and over ten touchdowns this season and so even though they are losing some key players this is a deep Palmer Ridge squad that still has some guys out there now let's go over to the defensive side of the ball where they got Holden right as a first-year starter last year led the team in tackles from the linebacker spot um, as a sophomore by the way with 98 tackles stepping in place for Saxon Wright who played linebacker the previous year now going into this year as a junior it's probably due for another productive season. We'll probably go over 100 tackles this season and will be one of the leaders of this team. And, you know, for a defense that is losing so many uh, contributors, he will be one of the most important players for this entire team, especially on defense. Top of that, they're also returning safety Josh Gerlock. Um, he's about 6'3", 200 pounds as a senior, and he will be returning at safety, like I said. As a first-year starter last year, or I believe he was a starter last year, had 58 tackles and a pick. Going to this year, he will be key to the success of this defense as he holds it down on the back end, being one of the more experienced players for this squad. And honestly, do not be surprised if he has a breakout season here and, you know, becomes one of our top five senior safeties in the class of 2023. We'll see. He's definitely been on our radar for a minute. And then last but not least, I do want to shout out Derek Hester. Last year, started at quarterback, and he put up numbers, as he should with a talented squad. But there were times his inexperience showed, and it was extremely, extremely rough. Talent's definitely there physically, but dude needs to clean up his game, especially mentally, if Palmer Ridge wants to make another deep run and wants to return back to state. If not, they do have other options at quarterback, like Ben Noblet, that they could potentially explore. It's not like they have no talent in that quarterback room. So, we'll see about that. Derek Hester, though, definitely needs to take a step forward mentally. And, you know, just play a cleaner game. A more consistent game as well. So, yeah. Now, the predicted record I have for Palm Ridge is 9-1. I'm going to be completely honest they have a very good chance at going undefeated. Offensively, I like who they're returning, especially when it comes to their skill players. This group of skill players, like I said, has been buried on the step chart for years. Now is their time. And honestly, I think that group could make them into a top offense in the entire state. Now, the there's still inexperience on this team. There's going to be a lot of filling in, especially on the defensive line. That worries me a lot, which is why I don't think they'll go undefeated. And the teams that I could see them potentially losing to is Pueblo West and Vista Ridge. Mostly because, you know, those are teams with a lot of skill players. Uh, both teams have quarterbacks and they're going to light it up. And if there's no pass rush coming after them because they're so inexperienced or they're just not as developed, then, you know, I don't exactly trust Palmer Ridge to win shootouts like that. Other than that, I believe they should beat Montrose, Mesa Ridge, Lewis Palmer, Smoky Hill, Ponderosa, Rampart Air Academy, and Cheyenne Mountain. I think they're well coached or better coached. 
than those squads, most of those squads, and they're just a little bit deeper at a couple more positions than those teams. Um, this team should make the playoffs easily, but I am concerned about their line. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, more so the defensive line than offensive line because I know on offense they have Jackson St. Aubin. But we'll just see if Pomeridge could keep it going and make sure that things are taken care of and work around that inexperience, which, you know, I feel like they're capable of doing. And so my window of wins for Pomeridge is anywhere from 8 to 10. Like I said, I would not be surprised if they go undefeated. They have a lot of skill players who are ready to contribute. Um, they have some very good defensive players returning. But I am concerned about the line. I am a little concerned about, you know, some of the mental mistakes made at quarterback last year. But should be cleaned up this year. And so we'll see how far this Palmer Ridge team could go. I think at the end of the day for them, it might be up to the role players around the guys I mentioned here that'll step up for them as historically this has been a very deep squad and for them to make state again, they're going to have to have multiple contributors. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, though, that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Thank you so much for rocking with us going forward. We're going to cover every 11-man Colorado high school football team going into the 2022 football season, uh, just like I did right here. And if you want to hear about when episodes come out slash follow us, go ahead and show us some love on social media at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, TikTok as well. Go ahead and follow us there. We'll be posting uh, excerpts from episodes out there. And then go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube where full episodes will be there uh, along with some of those shorts. And then subscribe to slash follow us on Twitch. We will be doing some live streams where we preview some of these teams. So, yeah. But like I said, thank you so much for rocking with us. And next week on my Monday episode, at least, I'll be covering teams in Pueblo and around that area. So, Yeah, I'll see you then.